0: I was blessed. Let's close in prayer. Now I want to pray. Father, we come before in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word. Fill me with your Spirit. Let us encourage each other. Lord, let us function the way you want us to. Let us really love. Let us look at our hearts, God. If I have anything against anybody in this room, Lord, I just pray that I'd release them. Wouldn't hold anything against them. The word says, "Love covers a multitude of sins." I wouldn't be irritated or frustrated or want my way. Like Philippians says, Lord, let me consider others more important than myself. So fill them with your spirit. Fill all of us with your spirit. Um, Bring your word alive to our souls. Give us that living water, the bread of life. We just welcome your presence. We thank you that we can worship you in public. And thank you. I pray that this has rung somebody's bell, somebody walking by reminded them of a time when they used to love you i pray they go home and weep get on their face because there is nothing like you thank you for your patience thank you for your love pray this in jesus name amen all right okay so my phone's running out of battery which means i don't have a bible So, um, Susan, keep yours cocked and ready. I'll try to do it from memory. So when I thought about our five-year celebration, there was only one psalm that came, you know, resonating through the corridors of my mind, which is 127. Unless the Lord builds the house. They labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors. The Lord gives to those he loves, even in their sleep. And then it goes on to say, Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. I'm not going to get into that part just yet. But sometimes you're like, what in the world's a connection between that? Maybe we'll get there in a minute. So I remember when our church had no houses and no leaders and no nothing no bank account we weren't an organization we were 10 people maybe 15 20 at times in a little circle praying should we be a church should we try to do this thing and just one one thing comes to mind of of all the cool things that were happening cuz at that time people were getting saved and god was doing cool stuff but uh I just remember Brandon quoting um, George Mueller saying, How can it be otherwise? Like, this is something God wants us to do. This is like almost everything else is kind of a mush, but I just remember that one statement How can it be otherwise? And I think his faith was greater than mine at that time. But um, unless the Lord builds the house and that can be your life. That can be your home, that can be your marriage, your children, that can be a business, that can be a church. But unless the Lord builds it, it says you labor in vain. Most church startups don't make it. They don't make it five years. And uh, I think a lot of times we, we impose our good ideas on God. But what does it mean? What does it mean to let God build something? Because first of all, He says, "Unless the Lord builds it," and then He talks about God protecting it. And uh, as you know, I've been in the Psalms for about six years now, mostly the Psalms. It's not not exclusively the Psalms, but I wanted to get a handle on the Psalms, and it's been the biggest, hardest project I've ever undertaken in my life. It's been really difficult, but I feel like they're kind of under control now. In the first place. You listen. You do it his way. You don't try really hard, read a bunch of books, even books on ministry, and then pray, God, would you float down some pixie dust on our best efforts? You get on your face and you say, God, we are foolish and weak and lost and we know that you have a way for, would you please, would you please show us what steps to take? So when, it, when you start a church, that should be a prayer meeting. That's what you're doing in a prayer meeting. You're saying, God, we don't have the answers. I didn't get a degree in church planting or church growth or, you know, whatever demographic analysis. So I can go into some culture and start a church. You get on your face and you say, God, wh- how do you want us to do this? And so it should always start with a prayer meeting. And then God will speak. And so when I think about God speaking, unless the Lord builds a house, of course, I think about the first psalm, which a lot of you know. How many of you guys know the first psalm, right? Blessed is the man. Again, in Hebrew poetry, you'll repeat things with a slightly different twist on them, like kind of the same truth, but just with a little bit different angle. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers, Blessed is the person who isn't listening to all the other voices out there. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. So, again, you're listening. You're listening. Saying, God, you build my life. God, you build my church. God, you build my marriage. God, you build my career. And uh, it gets scary. If if you're not regularly confronted by choices that scare you, I don't mean to be too... Insensitive, but you're probably not walking with Jesus. If you got it all charted out, mapped out, including how much time you give to the Lord, that's not what you find in the scriptures. You in the scriptures, you find God saying, fight that giant, walk on water, go on an impossible journey, go into dark places. Fight battles with enemies that are unconquerable. Go out into the midst of nothing and believe that I'm going to send bread from heaven. I mean, and this isn't, this is how it is from Genesis through Revelation. But he's the way that he wants things done. And then if you do it the way he wants things done, you have his touch, his confirmation, his affirmation. So do we do things perfectly? Not by a long shot. But are we constantly before the Lord saying, I don't know. I don't know how to move forward. I don't have my five-year plan. I've never even, I've never, I don't, I don't even have a six-month plan. Some people do that and it works for them, I guess. A a five-year plan just seems preposterous to me. So, and scripture says, worry about this day, walk with God through this day worry about tomorrow tomorrow and then we some t- somehow we baptize whatever time management principles and long term goals and all this stuff and we call it christianity and god's like no i want you to be empty i want you to be listening i want you to be sitting at my feet every day and so we i i just like our church there's so much that we need to do uh so many areas we need to improve on, but I know God's in this place, and so, I guess if I'd ask you guys, how do you guys know? Do you think God's in this place or you just like the people? Oh, it's just a cool crowd. I just like hanging out, you know, play games on Friday nights, and you know just fun people are Are do you really believe that God's in this community doing things? So if somebody asks you, how do you know God's in this place? Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain. You should have his touch. What would you say? What would you say? Yeah, just go ahead and yell it out. Yeah, that's great. No, 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 that's fine. What'd you say? Marlena. (laughs) Transformation Transformation of life. That's the greatest thing. That's the greatest thing. What else? What if somebody asks you, how how do you know God's in this place? Is is God building this house? Why is God building this house? Because we pray, and we listen. And we screw up, which we all do, amen? Who screws up? Yeah, we all screw up a lot. What do we do? We repent. We agree with God. We say, no, your opinion's right, mine's wrong. That's, That's the word. If we confess our sins, if we say what God says about things. What else? Would, how do you know God's in this place? The battles we step into, impossible people. See the hands of all those impossible people out there. Yeah, that's you, Dom. You are impossible, my friend. Yeah, that's you, Chris. Yeah, Jessica. hmm. Marla. Yeah. Impossible. And God calls us into it. And, and some of you guys even like it. Right. You get kind of excited. You get kind of like the adrenaline, you know, kind of like David up against Goliath. It looks impossible. Maybe humanly speaking, no one else can pull it off, but we're going to do it. So like you're not going to do it. The Lord's going to do it. It's like, duh. Yeah, I wasn't thinking like the Lord was going to be taking a nap and we're going to be going to the battle. Yeah. So unless the Lord builds a house, that's just what I God's building this place impossible addictions sin issues I don't want people in and out of the mental hospital no longer in and out of the mental hospital anybody brave enough to say amen? Amen. <laughs> there you go. But what did Jesus say? What did he say that you're gonna know you'll you'll know they're my followers how? By their love. So Joe was saying how he's he's in a you know the same seminary I went to—it's kind of the hoity-toity, elite Bible-believing one out in Chicago. All right, let's go around the room and let's just talk about all the mayhem and chaos and difficulty going on in the churches that we're a part of. Oh yeah, okay, Bubba, we'll start with you. Oh man, just fighting and yeah, we went through three church splits and now the pastors are you know about to choke each other to death. And okay, what about you? Oh, the pastor ran off with his secretary and you know and it caused a faction. Well, what about you? And they go to Joe's, Joe, what about your church? Just tell us about the horrible, crazy chaos that's going on there. I got nothing. Love each other. It's possible. Or Jesus wouldn't have said it. That's why I was so blessed coming back from my vacation. It's rare. But. You guys love each other. And then last night at prayer, we did another extended prayer. Please come to those if you can. And if you can't and God's calling you to something else, then you do that. But if you can make it. But again and again, we hear testimonies of people. I said, give me your biggest answers of prayer. People are like, I wiped out so bad. I was just sure the church wouldn't want me back. And it came back, tail between their legs, you know, slooped over, right? And everybody just, hey, brush yourself off, get up. You're forgiven. Let us surround you. That's supernatural. Uh, I, I don't mean to, like, compare miracles. People are all into healing and stuff and prophecies and dreams. Those are fine. I'll take love over all that stuff any day of the week. That's what we're all longing for. That's what, that's what our hearts are yearning for. We're not yearning for God to do tricks. But again, you're like, oh, you don't believe in miracles? Of course I believe in miracles. But the miracles are just supposed to be manifesting his love. They're supposed to be making us think about, meditate on his love and expect greater things. But the miracle that, that happens in our heart when God's really working is we go from selfish monsters, and Christians can be the worst, to givers and lovers and servants. So unless the Lord builds a house, I think God's building something. We went from nothing. Now we're looking into our fifth discipleship house. We still don't have a church, which is kind of funny. We look like a a homeless tent city here this morning. And uh, we're praying for that corner house. And the corner house can have... 50. If you have a church of a 1,000, you usually can't get 50 people out for a prayer night. Anybody been in those churches? I have. I was on the prayer committee. I was trying to get the church praying, and they never did. By the time we left, it was up to 10,000 multi-site campuses. The pastors wouldn't even go to the prayer meetings. But anyway, we're praying about kind of a permanent home resource center, all this stuff. Last Tuesday, we were kind of among the leaders in our little chit-chatty group on GroupMe. How many people were there? Nobody counts ever. We never count anything. I don't know. I don't. And somebody said, i oh, probably 30 to 40. I said, it couldn't have been 30 to 40. So that house, that place, uh, you're supposed to have 50. With kids and adults, we had over 70. Like, man, that's that prayer. Almost as many people come to prayer as come to everything else. Because we believe there's a God who moves and saves and delivers and heals. So God is moving in this place. But Psalm 1, blessed is a man who doesn't, we don't need to listen to all these other voices. His delight is in the law of the Lord. You guys, most of you guys sitting here, your delight is in the law of the Lord. You're spending time in the word. You're memorizing the word. You're saying, God, speak to me. Challenge me. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I want a fresh word like manna. You know, God, God uh, provided the manna every morning for the children of Israel. I said, don't, don't rely on yesterday's manna. It will get maggoty and old and moldy. So God's word for you yesterday was God's word yesterday. He's got a fresh word for you today. Most of you guys are in the word, you're in prayer at least an hour every day. Some of you two hours, some out, hour, some of you more. You want another word, you want to hear his voice. Blessed is the man who's not listening to everybody else. His delights in the Torah, the written revelation of God. Then it says, Whatever he does will prosper. Your marriage will prosper. It may take some time. Your parenting will prosper. Your mental health will prosper. Your relationship, that's what it says. Whatever he does, he prospers because he's getting his mind in line with the the mind of God. So back to Psalm 127. Let's continue to listen, to obey, to pray, to ransack the word. Like James says, to go to the poor, to want the outcast, not to want the middle class, not to want the. I mean, they're they're fine. God loves them. But God says, hey, nobody wants the poor. Go after them. Then the people who are rich and the people who are middle class, who are alive, they'll they'll come. But go target the poor. And we do. Make disciples, serious disciples, and we do. So God's building this house. The next thing that Psalm 127 says is, um, unless the Lord guards the city. So when I was thinking about the, the first part, Unless the Lord builds a house, I was just thinking about the word, serious commitment to the word, to obey. In the aspects of your personal life, but also in the church. Boy, I want to go back there before I go to the next point. Um, have leaders that meet the biblical standards. Don't make rich guys as beacons and elders hoping that you're going to get into their bank account. That's not what God tells you to do. He said, find those character guys that would rather die than lie. Who are servants. Who don't want their names and lights. We say, hey, if there's someone better, put them up. They're not here to somehow affirm themselves or whatever. It's like, no, do it, do it my way. Build a church my way. Do church discipline. We do that too. If you don't want to do things God's way, we say, look, we love you, but three strikes, you're out. If you're going to harbor bitterness and hatred, if you're going to commit immorality, if you're going to You know, division and strife in the church. If you're going to be sneaking around doing stuff that brings reproach on the name of Christ, we'll talk to you once, we'll talk to you twice, we'll talk to you three times. We'll say, We don't think you're getting it, brother. We don't think you're getting it, sister. So maybe you need to go out and hang out with the devil a little more and see how ugly it is out there, and then come back and we'll try to explain to you what surrender really looks like. We don't want you to be destroyed, we don't want you to be judged. But you're not, you're not figuring out the importance of following God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving him. So anyway, following the word, that's how we build it. And then it says, unless the Lord guards the city. And when I think about guarding the city, I think about prayer. I've already talked about prayer. But that just means every battle you get into. Earlier, Dal mentioned us getting into these impossible situations. Um, who was the brilliant individual we could just look at so many of the the folks in this church that were rough beat up impossible who was the brilliant individual who had the uh strategy from their psychology course at the university that uh, you know set marlena free or jessica free or dom free or some of you guys it's been a while right you got brandon back there and sophia right who, who is the, who, who, what was the brilliant scheme? What was the brilliant plan that a human being came up with? Newer people in the church, too. Yes, I embarrass people from the front. But uh, I know I was delivered. I, I never went to therapists. I never took a med. I was a Lulu. My mom prayed. All her friends prayed. And one day, God just opened up my eyes. Every single one of you guys that we have fought for that are here unless the lord guards the city unless the lord fights our battles we labor in vain so i'm just meditating on this church thinking about where we've come from a little group of 10 15 people praying in a circle now we've got a bunch of houses bunch of people i don't know Honestly, hundreds of people have come to Christ, even though we're, we stay small because we're intense and we're intense discipleship relationship. I think your mind would be blown if we went through that group, me and we counted a lot of people move on who are college students. So many people have come to the Lord through this place. And so God tells us how to build it. And then God is the one that we cry out to when a battle comes up. The latest person to come in the house flips out and goes on some sin binge. What do we do? We hit our knees and we cry out. And then God reels them back in. Some crisis comes up. What do we do? We hit our knees. And God straightens it out. I think it was, I look at our church and I was talking to, I can't remember who, our church is kind of like, always managing some kind of impossible crisis there's always somebody whose life is about to explode and uh i think richard still has the handgun that somebody bought from the pawn shop that no you don't have it would you go pawn it no just kidding but Sunday morning, someone just crying, just heaving, snotting, weeping. I was going to kill myself and crisis averted. I mean, these kind of things are regularly happening in this church. He's fighting our battles. Yep. And winning. My attitude is if God sends him here. We're supposed to win. It may take five years. Sometimes it takes five months. Sometimes it takes five days. But God, I believe is built. If I didn't think God was building this house, I wouldn't be here. Because I think you guys listen, you guys pray. And if you learn how to do that, you know, I'm supposed to pastor you, disciple some of you, teach you how to do that better and better. But the goal is, you don't need me anymore. Or whoever your discipler is, the goal is you don't need him anymore because you know how to pray, you know how to lead, you know how to hear, you know how to model Christ's likeness, and then you go and reproduce. And that's what's happening. I'm kind of working myself out of a job. I don't have to preach every Sunday. I don't have to teach all this. I used to do everything. But so many of you guys are getting it. You're learning how to do spiritual warfare. We learned how to do evangelism. So God's building this house. The second part of the Psalm 127 says, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And it talks about God giving to his beloved in their sleep. Um, in secular culture, in world culture, in world history, there's really nothing like having a child. There's There's... It's the greatest experience. You know, you, you study the lives of the royalty. They're always after that heir. I want that child. I want that child. I want that child. Children are just, it's, it's one of the most phenomenal blessings. And some of you guys have yet to experience that. You, it unlocks a kind of a love that you didn't even know was in you. But God says, do you know when that happens? That miracle, like Psalm 139 says, you wove me together in my mother's womb, happens while you're sleeping. God's doing this phenomenal miracle of weaving together a little image bearer of God and all the intricacies while you're snoozing, right? Something amazing is happening in a woman's body, and this child is being. And I think that there's a connection and God is saying the greatest blessings come to those i love without a whole lot of effort on their part but if you take that to the spiritual side of things from in in my life yeah the, the greatest blessing in the natural you know was my wife and i having our three sons and we just love them to death and they just bring joy and but in the spiritual when the Lord's building the house and the Lord's in the midst of everything, I think the greatest blessing is birthing people into the kingdom and watching them transform and watching selfish little demoniac monsters become kind, gracious, loving, selfless people. And the psalm ends, so, and I think that's what we do with the Old Testament, it, it's often talking about blessings in the natural. It's talking about physical battles. It's talking about physical geography. When we come to the New Testament, it's like, hey, kick that up to the spiritual level. Yeah, the, the physical is fine and good, and God created all that, but we, are, we have our heads in the heavenly places where Christ is seated. We're not, we're not worrying about real estate. We're not worrying about winning battles with some Christians are today, but they're more like old covenant Christians. They need to realize that that's not what we do anymore. But the greatest blessing, and again, a sign that God is working in a place, is new birth. And the psalm ends with the person who has God's favor in their life isn't going to be ashamed when they're speaking with their enemies in the gates, which I think If you want to have your life validated and you want to have no shame in front of anyone, be the kind of person who lives all out for God is a person of the word, is a person of prayer, has God's favor, whether it's on your family or if you're not married, your individual life, your business. And I've said this before, but in your wake is going to be new life, new birth, blessed people, disciples, And so when an enemy or an accuser says, what is your life all about? What's your life all about? What do you have to boast about? What have you accomplished? You can say, you see that person over there? They're blessed and they're connected with God and they're fruitful and they're thriving because God built my house. Because God blessed me. And even while I was sleeping, he was doing things. And that's why, that's another, I I love this church because I just love looking around at people that I've got to be a part of their story. A lot of you guys have surrendered to the Lord in this place. And a lot of other people have participated in this as well. But I think that's really, that's the thing that we have to boast in when the Lord builds our house. In the natural in the old testament, you can boast in your quiver full of kids. In the new covenant, when God's building your house, you can say, You see that crazy person? That person used to be suicidal, crazy wreck. You see that person? They used to be on meth. You see that person? They used to be on crack. You see that person? They used to be a not gonna look at anybody, right? Sex addict, anorexic, hopeless, suicidal. Nah, not them. They're radiant. That's what Psalm 34 says. Their faces are radiant. They're full of hope and joy. And yeah, and I got to be a part of it. That's what I have to boast in. That's what Paul says. You're my letters of recommendation. So I guess it's just a celebration. I just wanted you guys to think about, I can't get out of the Psalms because the Psalms have gotten into me the last six years. So usually when I get a crack to come up here and say something, I pray about it and the Psalm goes boom. Unless the Lord builds the house. Let's not deviate. Every day, there's one necessary thing, right? There's one necessary thing. Jesus said one necessary thing. Did you do it this morning? One necessary thing, sitting at his feet, listening to his word. Have you gotten fresh words from him? Are you listening to all the other voices or are you listening to him every day? Unless the Lord guards the city. Are you praying? Is he fighting your battles? Are you inviting him into your financial troubles and your marital troubles? And then he's giving you instructions as to how to go about handling these things. And if you build your house, like he's building this house, and our enemies come up and say, "Yeah, what's so big about the refuge? What's so big about your walk with the Lord? You say, well, I'm not much, but I'm starting to get it. And you see that person over there? They were out of their mind. They were suicidal. They had voices in their head. They were hopeless. They were condemned. They were bound by sin. And because I let God build my house, I got to be a part of their freedom story. I got to be a part of their new birth. So five years. Woo, woo. Five years. Uh, Another thing, though, I want to remind you guys, don't take things for granted. One, um, Pilgrim's Progress. Who's read the Pilgrim's Progress? John Bunyan, one of the most important uh, Christian works ever written, was it written in the sixteen hundreds? There's a Pilgrim's Progress, and it's kind of an allegory of a guy who gets to heaven, and he, you know, gets away from giants and lions, and all it, it's all it's all figurative. But then in the next, there's a second volume. Who's read the second volume, where the man's wife and children follow? Well, there comes a point where they have a companion who is leading them on. In a good sense, as in a guide, not leading them on in the bad sense, but leading them as a guide. And then the companion goes, uh, all right, I'm going to leave now. I'm leaving. See ya. And this was a, like a powerful, angelic figure. And everybody's like, well, what are you talking about? How are we going to make it if you're not going with us? And this figure says, you didn't ask God to have me continue on with you. And I think, you know, it's been a while since I read it, but they were like, well, that was stupid. And so then they're like, God, please let this amazing, gracious presence continue with us. And then the person comes back and says, okay, I'm going to continue on with you because you asked the Lord. So don't take anything for granted. Don't say, oh, it's always going to be this way. Oh, the love, that's just the way. You don't think the devil has a plan to blow this place to smithereens? Some of you guys would be dead or in prison or in a mental hospital. Some of you guys would have killed yourself, and you didn't. And instead, you're blowing everyone's mind in your workplace and your family because you're showing them that God is real. You don't think God doesn't want to, I mean, you don't think the devil wants to shut this place down? God, please protect what you're doing here. Please protect the relationships. Please make us wary of what the evil one is up to. Do you appreciate the people who are here? Do you feel like some of them are really important in your life? God, please let me stay here. Keep this person here. Keep me in this relationship. Are there some people that you think need to be here who have strayed? God, bring them back. Pray pray for God to protect this place, the good that he's doing. Pray, multiply. Do we need more houses? Of course we do. But then that means we need more stable people. God, multiply the house, the discipleship house ministry. Multiply the good. Weed out the bad. Pray that God's favor continues, and he's the one that continues to build the house. So I think that's about all I got. I just wanted you to. God's building this house. I love this place. I love seeing you guys. I love the intangible vibe that hard to describe what it is. Just the love that I feel, that I see between you guys, the generosity, the Christ-likeness, the worship. So you say you don't watch us when you worship. I occasionally open my eyes, and it's just amazing to see someone who was a wreck, peace and joy and freedom in the presence of God. But let's pray for another five, or another 10, or another 50, or another 100. Let's pray that God multiplies this church, you know, like the loaves and fishes. Why doesn't he make uh, 100 churches out of this church? Um, There's plenty of people in this place who could be spiritual leaders who are spiritual leaders. So anyway, bless the Lord, builds the house. Praise the Lord, he's building something. Love you guys, and uh, just keep keep doing what we're doing. Keep praying, keep see- seeking, the Lord, keep obeying, and keep loving one another. So let's pray. Father, we come before in Jesus' name. We thank you that you're building this house. Started out really small, handful of people. I wasn't sure this was going to be anything. Now we have five houses. We've got Michael and Allen on the other side of the planet tearing it up. We've seen hundreds of people surrender their lives to the Lord. Uh, I know I'm a better man because these young people push me and make sure that I do the things I should be doing. I know that I'm walking a holier life because of my CD group. I know that I'm strengthened because when I'm weak, people will lay hands on me and pray for me. And we pray, God, that you would protect this church for another five years, another 10 years, another 50 years. We pray that uh, the evil one would not sabotage what you're doing. We pray for the spirit of love, uh, acceptance to continue. We pray for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to continue to open up people's eyes to the truth of the gospel. We pray that the prayer ministry would increase, faith would increase, passion would increase. We pray that we'd send missionaries to the ends of the earth. We pray that the broken and the shattered would find love and life and family, and especially you, Lord Jesus, in this place. Thank you for what you've done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.